Hey everybody, it's Adam Shartoff. I just want to give a quick message before we start the show. Filmwax Radio just launched a Patreon account. You can find it by going to patreon.com slash filmwaxradio or just go to Patreon and search Filmwax. It'll come right up. Rewards start at $3 a month. You know, it's taken uh, 10 years for me to get this together. And I'm finally, if you're a regular listener of the show or you love to support independent film and shows like mine, which are an extension of that, please consider contributing. The amount of time and resources required to do a show like this, plus the YouTube show, is extensive, far more than you might might think. And so, like a lot of other people, I'm just sort of saying, if you want to show your love for the show, I would appreciate it. And there's all sorts of wonderful, wonderful rewards. Of course, additional content that nobody else is going to see or hear, and much, much more. If you just, again, visit patreon.com slash filmwaxradio and consider it. That's all I'm asking. Thank you very much. And now, on to the show. Adam Shartok, host of Filmwax Radio. It is Friday, June the 4th, 2021, and uh, this is episode number 671 of the show. As you heard at the top, we do have a Patreon account now launched to s- support the show, finally, and um, I wanted to uh, really reach out and thank those who have subscribed in the last week or so. These are friends and friends of the show. Some of these people have even been on the show. Let me just thank the uh, following people who have uh, been so generous to be the earliest patrons of Filmwax. Katie Bissinger, Sajiwa Ekonayaka, Lawrence Lusthaus, Ron Kovis, Natalie Ortiz, Aaron West, Josh Crockett, Vanessa Gould, Madeline Olnick, and Jim Infantino. Thank you so much. So those people I just mentioned and others who are going to join, there will be content and engagement coming shortly, very shortly, in fact. So thank you for that. And uh, back to today's show, but I will be thanking everybody in addition to other rewards. So, um, but I want to do, if, and by the way, if you don't want to be thanked publicly, I get that. that that's fine. Probably most of these people might have chosen that. I just didn't come up, so I'm hoping that <laughs> that's okay. This is a special episode. We have two segments. All of this, of course, is on the YouTube channel if you'd rather watch it. It's kind of like two segments, but one segment is divided into two parts. So that's coming up first. We have a friend of the show, John Scheinfeld, who was just on a last year with his uh, last documentary about Herb Albert, which was called Herb Albert Is... This one's called Sergio Mendez and Friends, a Celebration. And we have on, believe it or not, John Scheinfeld back on the show, as well as Sergio Mendez himself right after that. So please do listen to this excellent episode. Sergio Mendez, icon, right? A bossa nova, popular Latin music. Big, big, big star. 
And turn, what a sweet, sweet guy. By the way, I'm sitting outside. I just felt like getting some fresh air. So I apologize for any background noise you hear. I know. Real professional, Shartoff. Real professional. Anyway, uh, and then this, uh, coming up after that is the author of a lovely book called Films of Endearment, A Mother, a Son, and the 80s Films that Defined Us. We have a film critic and author, Michael Koreski, who uh, wrote this book. We had him on right before Mother's Day. I posted it. In, for the sake of expediency on the YouTube channel, you can watch it there as well. And uh, this is that segment. Uh, uh, you can buy buy films of endearment anywhere books are sold. We'll get to that in a little bit. But first, you can go to PBS as of now already, as of this week. Sergio Mendes and Friends: A Celebration is available for uh, your entertainment pleasure. And uh, there's a lot of wonderful people in this documentary, including John Legend, Herb Alpert, Quincy Jones, Will I Am, Common, so many others. Please do uh, give it a shot. And if you donate some, if you donate some money in the charitable way of, that you did with with me and my Patreon account, they'll send you a link, I guess, to a download of an expanded version of this documentary. So you'll go from 60 minutes to 90 minutes. And that version is called Sergio Mendez in the Key of Joy. And uh, that actually will be coming out sometime later this year regardless. But you'll get an advance look at that film if you kick in some shekels over to our friends at PBS. In the meantime, here is uh, Sergio Mendez, John Scheinfeld, here only on FilmWax Radio. There's a word in English that I love, serendipity. That's the story of my life. He did the gumbo, put the gumbo together. I know, uh, it worked. Hey, Adam. Once again. <laughs> How are you? When did the uh, Herb Alpert come out again? That was when last year. The... I was trying to remember when we spoke last. I think it must have been when Herb came out, which was October. Okay, so we talked in the fall. That makes sense. That feels yeah. it feels about right that we've gone through a couple of seasons. Yeah, but, I think so. A couple of seasons and a major pandemic, and here we are. Here we are. No worse the wear. Hopefully, <laughs> you know what? I really bothers me though. When What's we that? spoke last time, I forgot to dig this out. Ah, love that. Look at that. That's a special, uh, does it like have several LPs in there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're really thick, though, but there's <laughs> like four. Wow. I mean, 
I just forgot, you know, and it was that I had, I just, I just had moved into this place uh, last about a year ago and I haven't had my vinyl with me in years. And then I got it. My aunt was holding on to all this vinyl for me in New Jersey. I finally went, she said, clear out your crap. You got a place uh, where you can put it. So, cause I love, and, uh, but I, ha- I forget that it's here and I don't even remember. I was going through it and I was like, my God, I don't have a lot, but what I have is pretty awesome. And I was hoping I'd have a Sergio Mendez album or two. Yeah. Didn't find this it. This is what, what I, but I do have this. You have Timeless. Well, that's a great album. Yeah, that's a right. great album. Oh yeah. You know, what's good about this one is that it's, it's much more kind of connected to the, to your documentary because you've got Will I Am on the documentary, you've got John Legend, right? You know, you have all you've got uh, Common. Is he on this too? This compilation Common is in not particular? on that one. Common is on. Oh, the I didn't think so. Right. He was on the record, but anyway, last year. But John is, and a lot of other people. It's a fun album. It's like you, you know, you're at the very least, your 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 feet will be tapping. At the most, you'll be up dancing. You know, yes, as, exactly. as is true for most of. This is true for the bo- most of the body of, and you know he's coming on right. I'm is he? Talk to him tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, great! Terrific. He's he's the best. He's just you know one of the cool things um, uh, about doing a documentary is uh, with somebody who's alive because I've I've done uh, <laughs> yeah right. We talked about this last time. People who, yeah. Yeah, who are no longer here, but um, uh, you really get a, a chance to become friends with with someone. So with Herb and even uh, more so with Sergio, uh, uh, we've become really good friends. In fact, uh, uh, the two of us and our wives had uh, had dinner on Saturday night, and uh, we always have a In great IRL, time. lovely guy. IRL, I'm sorry. IRL in oh, real yeah. life. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we love his wife, and we just we had the best time. Yeah, he comes across being so down to earth and warm, and uh, you know it's. Probably true for many. Yeah, I think it's Brazil too, though. And uh, you can't make. Can you make that kind of music and be a, a jerk? I, maybe. I guess there's other cases. We won't explore. That's a different film. But yeah. Yeah. I think so. We talked. We did talk about last year, last fall. We did talk about the fact doing. You've done documentaries about you know not living subjects. So this was, I'm sure, very gratifying for you to do something finally with someone who. Although, you know, I mean, uh, what am I saying? Because you also did Herb Alpert, of course. Right. Right. And they were so, sort of both um, both in a similar school because they're both lovely, lovely people and have such great, interesting stories, very different stories, and they're very different uh, people. Although uh, uh, Herb uh, uh, always credits Sergio as, as being Cupid for him uh, because oh, right. Sergio introduced him to Lonnie Hall, the lead singer of Brazil 66, who uh, later became Mrs. Herb Albert. Yeah. You you know, 50 years later, you can almost see a little bit of the forgiveness starting to come through. That he, <laughs> forgiving, I'm joking. It's funny because you, you know that Herb is all over this documentary as well, which uh, we'll call Sergio Mendez and Friends a celebration. And we can talk in a little few minutes about that it's kind of a uh, truncated version of a larger version We'll right. talk about that in a little bit, but I want to make sure people go to PBS and, and it'll be available. It's going to have a broadcast premiere, world premiere, in fact, on June, in June. 
Do we know the date? Uh, 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 June 1st, it starts appearing on PBS oh. stations across the country. The thing about oh, PBS correct. is that each individual station can schedule a show whenever they want. So it's not on a, a Monday at nine o'clock everywhere. It, it's, it can be wherever the, the station chooses. So uh, I would uh, sure, encourage like your fans to uh, right. check your local listings starting June 1. John, yeah, what well, you know, it's uh, it's a, it's like a syndicated thing. We'll put the link up for PBS, uh, and and uh, people should check their local listings starting January first, which is the day, which is Tuesday, the day after the Memorial Day weekend. It's perfect timing. That's right. And uh, it, and his music is perfect for sitting outside with people, with friends that have been vaccinated, and listening to Sergio Mendez music and having. Uh, all sorts of uh, tropical drinks. I don't know. <laughs> Just, <laughs> well, sounds I, too nice. I, I really feel in, in so many ways, this is the right uh, uh, documentary at the right time. Uh, Why is that? It is uplifting. It's inspiring. It's joyous. Uh, yes. As you say, you can tap your feet to the music and it leaves you with a big smile on your face. And after the, the last 14 months that we've all been through, who can't use a lot of that? Right. I agree completely. And uh, I've always been a huge, I've got, I mean, I just showed you the kind of the, the music I have connected to your films, your recent films, the two most recent, but the truth is I've got a lot of bossa nova and I took jazz guitar when I was, you know, a young guy in junior high and high school. And I uh, started to, my love for bossa nova and I, I have tons of it because it, it's like you say, I think it comes up in the film that, was it Mas Que Nada, which became this international hit, though nobody knew the lyrics. It doesn't really matter because it's such an infectious music. You bet. It is. And you don't really need to, uh, you know, you, you may remember Mas Que Nada, you may remember a few of the other words, but it doesn't Mas matter. Yeah, it's a, it's a feel-good song. And uh, it was <laughs> yeah. the first uh, song in Portuguese to be a worldwide hit. It's- it's fantastic. And it's Mash Canada because it has the Portuguese accent on it. That's I gave it a correct. Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. You have the most enviable. I think you, I think you have the most enviable job because <laughs> you, you get, you do, you get, you, you, uh, you get to make documentaries about the, our favorite music. It's, you know? it's a, a great job to be able to take a real deep dive into uh, the life and the career of someone whose music I love and admire. Uh, that's like so easy. And on top of it, you know, I get to go interesting uh, places and talk to interesting people about interesting things. Each documentary is a little different. Each cast of characters is a little different. And that's what keeps it very fresh and, and very different. And in the case of uh, Sergio, um, basically the reason I, I got involved with this documentary, it's all my mother's fault. Uh, because uh, when I was a kid, when I was a kid growing up in the Midwest, uh, she used to play uh, Sergio Mendez in Brazil '66 all the time, and she'd sing and dance around the house. And so I was always aware of this music and just how happy it was. And uh, and so I've always had his albums or tapes, or uh, these days uh, his music is in my iTunes library. Uh, so when, when Concord Records, which is his label, uh, came to me and said, would you be interested in doing a documentary about Sergio? I hesitated for five seconds, maybe, and said, yes, I'm going to do that. And what, uh, what took you so long? What took you so long? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, 
it took us about two years from start to finish to get it made and finished. And uh, it was just a great experience all the way through. Right. And, and were you, you were making this, were you kind of working on this the same time you were working on, on the Herb Alpert or? Got staggered the, a little bit. I actually started on Sergio first. Oh, uh, right. And, and then uh, we, we got started on, on Herb uh, some months later. Uh, the story of, of Sergio um, is uh, we had finished this at the end of 2019 and uh, we were looking for the best way to get it out there. Um, the Santa Barbara uh, International Film Festival, just timing wise, turned out to be the first big festival of, uh, after we were finished. And uh, so we were invited and we went and it was just we had the best experience, Adam. Uh, we were in this theater of 700 people and it was packed. And the, the first laugh in the film comes at about a minute and a half. And, you know, we sit in these dark editing rooms uh, for months on end and you hope you're doing good work, but you never really know until you, you, your film is, is out there in public. And, and so we're showing it this night at the Libero Theater in Santa Barbara. And this laugh starts in the middle of the theater and just sort of grew outward. And it's like, okay, they're with us. So this is, this is great. Um, and then we have the, the, the film. And then um, Sergio and I did a Q&A up on stage afterward. And uh, when we were finished with the Q&A, the curtain that was on stage goes up and Sergio's band is there. And they just oh went God. right into Mashkinata and they did a, a five song set and the, the audience never sat down. It was fantastic. Wow. But, you know, then we were going to be in theaters uh, in May last year, but COVID put an end to that as it did to so many uh, movies, concert tours, you name it. Um, and so we ended up uh, having to rethink our distribution model and where the, the film ended up was uh, PBS created a, a shorter version of my long film and uh, as sort of a appetizer, if you will. And uh, it's called Sergio Mendez and Friends, a celebration uh, runs an hour. And, uh, but it's derived from the full length feature, which is called Sergio Mendez and the key of joy. Uh, and uh, I hope your fans will uh, uh, make an effort to see both. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a little uh, uh, sneak peek here. Um, so, uh, PBS ha had some very difficult choices to make to get it down from an hour and a half to an hour. And uh, it cut, uh, kicking and screaming, and uh, sadly, they had to cut two sequences, which were really cool. One with uh, Harrison Ford and one with Pele, the uh, legendary soccer player. Actually, I got Pele to sing with Sergio, which is very cool. Uh, but uh, so those are in, in the full length version. And if uh, people watch um, the PBS uh, creation uh, starting in uh, June one this year, um, if you give money to your local PBS station, they'll, as a gift, they will send you the full length feature. Uh, but the feature itself uh, will be up streaming uh, starting October 1st this year. Not exactly sure which platform yet, but we'll, we'll know closer to the day. Well, perfect. You saved me the time of asking you about it because uh, <laughs> I, I knew that. Uh, Get a I filmmaker was... talking about his child. It says, we'll just keep going. Well, you do refer, and I understand what you're saying because you, 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 you know, you have to like, what is that expression? Kill your baby. I, I don't know. It's a horrible expression, but it's like, uh, you know, typically like a broadcast length is, is, you know, could be substantial, 
but a half hour is a third of the film. Think about it. So it's, it's a third like, of the uh, film. Is some, they yeah. made some very, very difficult choices. Uh, they made smart right, choices. Right. So, you know, if it had so, to be right. done, you, they did the best job possible. But I do hope uh, people will get a chance to see the full-length film. But you worked with the editor, with your editor, on the full-length film, on The Key of Joy. You, you worked on that, but this one was out of your hands. That's right. PBS uh, okay. did the cut. They were nice enough to show it to me. And I think they offered me the, if I remember, they offered me the, the chance to work on it, but it would have been like carving up my child. And I sort of said, now maybe you better go ahead and <laughs> right. do it. So, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I'm just really impressed because uh, now you have these two films about which uh, regarding music that kind of really does make you want to get up and dance. And because uh, with the John Lennon and you have the Harry Nelson, those are spectacular. Nobody's going to argue those aren't maybe the two of the greatest song songwriters, you know, in the American popular songbook of the, let's say, the latter part of the 20th century. But, yes. but, uh, but my gosh, so, I mean, where are you going to go next? <laughs> well, uh, nice of you to ask. I'm about uh, six months into making a new feature documentary. It mixes uh, music, politics, uh, a bit of social okay. commentary and a mystery, small mystery. And it all Ooh. involves the first jazz rock band, Blood, Sweat and Tears. Okay, very good. And uh, a, some of your, some of your uh, fans may not uh, immediately know what their big hits were, but if you hear them on the radio, Spinning Wheel and When I Die more and more, you made me so very happy. Uh, we all know those songs. Right. But sure, we do, yes. It's not a history of the band. Something happened okay. to them in 1970 that impacted their career in a way that we don't remember them uh, as well as we remember other bands of that era. But in 1970, they were the hottest band in America. And, and this event happened, and we are exploring that in, in this film. Uh, in fact, uh, okay. now, now that my team and I are fully vaccinated, we're, uh, we're heading out on the road uh, uh, next Monday, uh, next Tuesday, sorry, a week from today, uh, to um, uh, take our first trip in 14 months. We're going to go shoot some interviews on the East Coast and uh, very much looking oh, forward to it. I just came back from a short visit. I was out in L.A. for about five, six days. I just got, I was seeing my son, but I just got back, so... Ah. Are you going to be? In, are you saying you're going to be in New York City visiting like industry professionals, music industry? Yeah, types? we're going to be in New York for two days, and uh, amongst others, we're interviewing Clyde Davis, who uh, was the CEO oh, no. of Columbia Records and signed Blood, Sweat, and Tears to the label and was really their champion. So I'm very excited about that. He's 88, but super sharp and has a lot of great stories. Uh, and we're also interviewing um, Tim Naftali, who is one of the two. Uh, presidential historians on CNN. He's an expert in the Nixon years and in the Cold War. And so we're going to be talking to him. And then uh, I'm interviewing a number of the band members. And uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Sounds like it. Uh, I I just wanted to mention that you brought up Clive, who uh, I I think I worked for him for a minute because uh, (laughs) things change remember that but things change uh very quickly in the music industry yes with uh lead- as far as executive leadership goes but but um i wanted there's just i just watched a clip it was pretty short. i i think it's probably full for part of a longer conversation he had with joni mitchell and this was just just done so she is you know she looked like she was okay you know that was nice to see that because uh but anyway it's clive and i mean she was far more animated than he was 
he sort of has a, a very, little bit more of a low-key guy, but he, uh, he is. Right. He had uh, he has great great stories, so I'm really looking forward to that interview. Um, and then, as I said, we got band members, and uh, the lead singer of the band is David Clayton Thomas. He's Canadian. He lives in Toronto. And at oh. least as of the day we're doing this interview, uh, we can't get into Canada, so we're going to have to be a little patient to, to get up there and do his interview. But uh, the film, which is called "What the Hell Happened to Blood, Sweat, and Tears," uh, will be out next year sometime. I love the name because it kind of it'll work nicely with uh, who is Harry Nilsson and why is everybody <laughs> talking about him <laughs> and who the exactly. hell is Blood Sweat and Tears? Um, uh, but okay, so Sergio, let's just as we wind it down, I just want to say Sergio Mendez is timeless uh, as the name of the album, suge- uh, the last big project they did here anyway suggests, and uh, he's obviously I, I assume he's not far from the same age as. Uh, David Clayton, what was his name? David, David I, I always Thomas. forget. Yeah, they're all sort of late David. 70s, you know, 80, okay. sort of around that age. Yeah, but he is uh, also as, uh, 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 I don't know, kicking and still got the, I think music really is, it's like a nourishment for these people. As long as they seem to do it, there's a youthfulness that, I mean, I, it's not even really an exaggeration to say that because I think, you can't be elderly and, and make, play music like this. You just can't. Well, the thing you know? about Sergio is he is uh, the kind of a guy who's always looking forward, rarely looks backward. In fact, it, it, it took some talking to, uh, I understand it, to, to get him in a place where he was ready to, to do a documentary. But Oh, uh, really? Uh, but uh, I went out to the house and I sort of laid out my vision for the film. And he, we had this three and a half hour love fest where we were just uh, enjoying each other and, uh, and, and enjoying where this could go. And then we in fact had a great two years putting this, uh, this film together. Uh, but uh, he, he, you know, it's interesting. He, he's uh, just turned 80 this year and you wouldn't know it by looking at him or, or being around him. Um, but the last 14 months was really, really hard for him. Um, he's, he, he can't be in a studio making music. He can't be out on the road performing, which he really loves. And I think it kind of put a damper on things. I wouldn't say depressed, but I would say it was not an easy time. And mm. uh, in the last month, as we've uh, been doing interviews on behalf of the film, uh, I can just see... A twinkle back in the eye and a spring in his step and so what you're saying is so true uh there's yeah. a really youthful aspect to him and i think it's really coming out now and i'm really hoping he gets back on the road uh he's got two concerts coming up uh, on the west coast here he's doing uh, the hollywood bowl in august this year and uh, then he's doing a performance with the san diego symphony in september but I'm hoping that he and other artists uh, will get back out on the road and be doing what they love to do. Me too. Well, I'm glad to hear that he's, he's got this, uh, oh, man, would I do anything to be at the, at the uh, Hollywood Bowl? <laughs> yeah. You'll have a, uh, we'll, we're all going to have a great time just uh, watching him on stage. It's really cool. Actually, and what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, the show is, uh, we've crafted something so that uh, as soon as the lights go down, the first thing people are going to see is a, uh, a bit of a teaser for the film and, and his career. And then again, the lights are going to come up and the band will be on stage and it'll be sort of a nice introduction to it. Well, 
Self-promoting again, huh? So, uh, <laughs> no, it's great. That's great. No, it's great. Sounds like a perfect uh, way to write because uh, you probably have a, some idea of when the, the full length is coming out, correct? Yeah, full length. Um, it'll be oh, streaming. said October. Uh, yeah, said October. October 1st. Sorry. Um, we're yeah. still talking to various streaming services, so we're not exactly sure where. But October right. 1st. I understand. Right. And I understand what you're saying. But again, we'll remind people that you don't have to wait for October. If you want to see the full length version as well, you get to do that if you just give a few shekels to PBS. And they're they're like most uh, non-for-profit organizations and arts organizations. They always need some money. So like most. (laughs) Support your local station. And yes, as a a nice thank you, uh, they'll be sending out DVDs of of the full length film. Again, the name of the the documentary is going to be on PBS as of June 1st, which is... uh, Tuesday, Sergio Mendez and Friends, a celebration. It's a great story, with, and you got such great footage. There must be so much amazing stuff out there of, of these guys. Well, you and, know, and you want to show that, stuff that's never been seen. Yeah. As a documentary filmmaker, uh, one of the aspects of, of the job I, I really love is what I call the treasure hunting. Uh, where you find uh, those rare photos, never, be seen, uh, never before seen photos, or super rare footage. And uh, uh, because Sergio's career took place uh, both in America and in Brazil, um, uh, and, and he's very popular in Japan and Australia and some other places, we cast a very wide net looking for the audiovisual material. And I think uh, when uh, when people watch uh, either the PBS or the full length version, they're going to see a lot of cool stuff that they've never seen before. Yeah, well, I can I can uh, confirm that having watched the. The, the PBS version, anyway. Ah, good. Uh, well, so, so uh, Adam, we're going to expect you to give some money to PBS, and then the next time we talk, <laughs> you'll have seen the full film. Done, done. Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge fan. So, and I'm going to get. Uh, how am I going to say no when Sergio Mendez is coming up in a minute? See how he did that? I'm pretending like it's it's like a live thing. You should zoom bomb. In fact, you come on during my conversation. I was going to do <laughs> you two together. I was going to have you both. Actually, I was thinking. While we talked, I should, I kind of wrote that to the publicist. I said, wouldn't it be great? And when I say that, I'm, I'm asking in a passive way. Like if, if while I'm talking to John, Sergio pops on out of nowhere, and they said, we could probably do that on the conference call. I said, oh, well, I, I, I'd rather, you know, I, I want to do this on Zoom, I think. And, you know, because he's going to be so good on that. And then, uh, and then I didn't want to get it. I didn't want to make it too complicated. But yeah. Uh, He's, uh, he's just the best. And, and again, as I yeah. said, what's kind of great fun is somebody whose work uh, uh, I've admired since I was a kid is now my friend. And, and that's right. really a lovely thing. Yeah, I, I, it sort of happens here, too, maybe not on quite the same scale because you're working so intimately for such a period of time in some cases. But I have made some remarkable friendships just doing this. But it's usually it has been historically in person, John, like the right. first time I met you. Yeah. Uh, but I do kind of, I do feel almost like we could be, let, let's get together uh, next time I'm in, in, in the South, Southern California, for sure. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> That'd be great. But thank you. And, and um, I will be hitting you up again when your the uh, Blood, Sweat and Tears documentary comes out. You can be sure. Good. We'll do it right, again. So It'll be fun. Here's, here's, yes, we'll do it then. Uh, say hi to Sergio for me. Ask him to tell you the story. Yes of uh, Frank Sinatra uh, at the White House. He has a great story. Oh, 
who was the uh okay well i'll just ask him i don't have to ask you who which white house it was yeah. clearly it was reagan probably i'm gonna get yeah maybe it was yeah, sergio was performing and uh, he has a great story about sinatra so uh, tell him I, okay. I i i told you to ask him do you i i i, I the the sinatra story with i'm sorry this is off topic if you have to run let me know but the uh the my favorite is with don do you know the don rickles story with frank sinatra yeah. Oh, should I love, we were just talking. We were just talking about uh, Sergio uh, knew Don Rickles very well. Uh, oh, I just think that's really? such a great story with Sinatra and Don Rickles. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, now I got to now. Well, you tell it then. Can you remember? <laughs> can you tell it? Do you think you can remember it well enough to tell it? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, they were in the, they were going to be in the same restaurant on a particular night. And Don, right. Don said, so I've got this woman I'm going to be with and I really want to impress her. So would you come over and say hi? Yeah. And Sinatra said, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do that. So it's the night at the restaurant and, and Sinatra comes over and says, Don, how are you? And Don looks at Frank and says, Frank, don't bother me, I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> we're, just, just Frank, we're eating. We're, Typical we're eating. Story. We're, Frank, we're, we're, we're eating. Yeah, don't bother me. <laughs> the greatest story. I love it. Uh, all right, well. I hate to say goodbye, but it's yeah, it's uh, it's always. I know it's going to be fun to talk to you because you have great stories and you work on such fun projects. So. Thanks. Uh, it was nice of you to have me. Nice to see you again. And uh, yeah, we'll do it next time for Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Okay. Terrific. Great, Adam. Nice to All see right. you. You too. Okay. Bye. He's a translator. He's trans. He translated something that was going on in Brazil to the whole world. He's able to um, span the generations by collaborating with new artists and, and up and coming artists. Se a gente for olhar na matemática, Sérgio Mendes igual inteligência musical. That sound was unique in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s. It's it's still unique. Some artists are just doing it for the love of the art. And I think that's what Sergio does. Sergio Men. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Uh, you're this guy, huh? Yeah, yeah. I used to be. <laughs> no, you still are, and you're wearing the same color. I noticed. Green's your color. Green is my color. There, there they. Yeah. I like it. I was wearing. I was going to put on my. What? How do you pronounce the type of shirt? The Cuba Cuba Verde shirt. Cuba Verde. What is that? Is it, is it a kind of style shirt Latin, Latin men like to wear with a short sleeve shirt? I, I I tried it on and I couldn't fit into it, Sergio. <laughs> I wanted to try. I wanted to impress you. But anyway, oh. how are you? I'm good. Good. Thank you. So glad to meet you. And thank uh, you so much. Where Where are you? Just north of New York City. Oh, great. Typically, that's where I was living the last essentially the last entirety of my life but <laughs> i decided to go up to the countryside for a while so that's where i am now and where are you 
You're in I'm in uh, Los Angeles, yeah, LA. I was just there last week, by the way. Really? Yeah. Hey. We we could have done this there, but you know, I was so glad. I, I knew about the film, the documentary, which is called for our purposes today. It's called Sergio Mendes and Friends: A Celebration. For unless you 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 do, kick in some money to uh, PBS, in which case you can see uh, Sergio <laughs> Mendes in the Key of Joy. But yes, which I'm dying to see because I get more more music. I spoke to John around the time he did his Herb Albert documentary. I know you were in that. Right. And he was telling me about this new one he was doing with you, and I was so excited. Yeah, he's great. I mean, we had a wonderful time. Uh, we spent two years between L.A. and, and Rio and Brazil, and it was, it was just great. Right, yeah. Well, it looks like you're having a really good time in the documentary. Uh-huh, yes. You, how, I mean, what is that like for you, sir, to see yourself, it, like, you know, from your 20s, 30s, I, I mean your entire life there on the screen. How does that still have an impact on you all these years later? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When I saw the first time after John called me, he said, okay, come and see the first cut. Uh-huh. Cause I didn't, I didn't know, you know, he has, he got so many incredible um, uh, archival stuff that it's, I was amazed even things that I didn't remember that I had done in the past. And so it was very touching. It was very mm-hmm. emotional for me to, to see that put together. Well, he did an incredible job. I agree with you. I think he's a great, a great talent. I, I said to him when I spoke to him again yesterday, I said, John, I think you have the luckiest job in the world. Because <laughs> he gets- oh, he's really good. You know, it's like, you know, the fact that I met him and it, it, you know, it went so great and we had a great time together. I think that's very important. And he's very happy with it also. Same that what he did for Herb, and he's doing a, uh, he's doing uh, uh, blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, blood, sweat, and tears right now. Right, and uh, he's great, great. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the Coltrane, and that's yes. when I saw the first thing that he did, and I really enjoyed that. And the yeah, Harry and then and I, the Harry Nilsson document. Yeah. They're all the, that's how I met him on that. But I want to make sure people go to PBS as of June first to see. This documentary, Sergio Mendes and Friends of Celebration, because, you know, I wrote a note here for myself. Bossa Nova could heal the world. I know that's a big statement, but hear me out. Bossa Nova, you can't play Bossa Nova and not feel good. Absolutely. Yes. I've I've, I've loved Bossa Nova, you know, for I have a huge collection of Bossa Nova. Whatever reason, and I play guitar, as you can see, I kind of snuck that in so you would be impressed. But uh, can you see the guitar? But anyway, yeah, <laughs> I did that to impress you. But I mean, you know, I love I just love this music. I think it's it's uh, nobody can feel anything but joy when they listen to it. Absolutely. You know, it's a uh, in great songs for me. That's the most important thing. Beautiful songs. I mean, when, when you listen to some of the songs that I recorded and uh, the great composer, uh, Antonio Carlos Jobim, and, you know, it's like you can, you know, just feels good. It, it's sensual. It's happy. You can dance to it. You can romance to it. So it has all those great components of, of great music. Do you think that's why you became an international star? Well, you know, I mean, of course, this is the music I've been playing all my life. And uh, the fact that those songs were so, so beautiful and 
and very international. I think that helped my career a lot. And the documentary goes over that. You're, you knew Jobim? Yes, very well. He was uh, like a, you worked with him, a, collaborated? A teacher, a mentor, a friend, an amazing individual. And, you, of course, also Herb is in there. You, there's an interesting moment in the film. Uh, I was wondering where it was going to go because I don't know if many people know, but, you know, you, you had this warm, wonderful backup. I don't even think they're backup. They're not backup singers. They're no. foreground singers. Frontline singers, yes. Frontline singers. And yes. Herb swept one of them off to her feet. Yes. And out of your band. And you kind of go over it. I was hoping. <laughs> well, all is forgiven. I, I, ended up, I ended up marrying the other one. Oh, you did. That's right. Sing, yeah. She's the, you know, she's the lead singer of, of the band. And uh, we've been together for 50 years. Now she's the sound of my band, you know. Yeah. And it's been great. Talk to me, Sergio, this last year or 14 months or so. Can you talk about a little bit? I know probably it's not your favorite subject, but, no, but you know, uh, a, what has that been like for you? As somebody who obviously loves connecting with audiences, loves being immersed in his music and thrives off of that. What has this last year or so been like for you then? Well, it's been you know very sad for me and for humanity to live through a, a pandemic. And uh, just uh, so sad and and tragic and you know the all over the world you know here in brazil yeah. in india as you know and uh so luckily we've been vaccinate, vaccinated and uh my whole family my family in brazil is doing okay but uh the fact that uh you know so many people died it's just uh, very wow. tragic but yeah. now you know it's a vaccine and everything else there's hope and uh I can't wait to go back to work, which I Well, will. that's what I was getting at. I was yes. wondering what that was like, because you have not been able to play no, live. Not right. It was my absolute. But, you know, in a, in a very uh, positive way, my first engagement will be uh, August 15th at the Hollywood Bowl. That's 18,000 people. And uh, I'm, it's one of my favorite places in the world. And I'm looking forward very much to do that. And then... We have a concert in San Diego with the Symphony Orchestra I heard. in uh, September. And, and then, you know, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready to travel, to go out again. Can't wait to play. You know, that's what I do. And I love doing it. And, but it's been a, been a very strange year and a half. Yeah. Well, the Hollywood Bowl, I'm very upset that I, I won't be there. <laughs> you know, I would love to see you play. I would love to see your band live. Oh, it's great. So it's please great come band. out. You have to come to the East Coast. And I'll... Absolutely. I tell, call my agent and tell her. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> well yeah. and, and then all, everybody, also... Everybody wants yes. to go out. You know, it's not only me. I mean, it's like it's been a oh. performing. I mean, that's what we do, you know. And, right. uh, yes. So I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure next year we'll be in New York. Me too. I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. And I think, though, then you... Can, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I think that because of of everything that's happened in the last year, year and a half, I think every almost every musician is going to be hungry to get back on. It, there might not be enough venues because I really think that everybody's going to be itching to get out there because yep. even if they weren't planning on it, they're going to be like, yes. we got to 
infuse the industry with money and with sale and getting the people back out on in the seats, you know, and bring the joy back and bring the joy back. Exactly. One other really lovely con- uh, stems from this project from a few, I just happened. I, I don't have my, my, my Sergio Mendes albums, but I have this one. Oh yeah. I'm going to rectify that because yes. um, I love your music, but uh, this one is kind of important because it actually also is a big part of the documentary. Yeah. Uh, your this this project stemmed from your relationship with Will I Am, yes, John Legend, yes, and then yes. there's other people also. Uh, for instance, Common is in the film. I know he's not on this project, but India India Ari is on this. India, project. yeah, yes. What a great singer! Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and so, it was a wonderful experience for me working with Will, and uh, you know to to go back to you know, songs that recorded 40 years earlier, like Mashkinada, which was my first hit, to do it again in a, in a 2006 version of it. It shows how, how strong that, how that song. This goes back to 2006? Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I yeah. can't believe that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, is this the, but you've recorded since, or have you not? Oh, yeah, yeah. I did, I did about four albums after that. Oh, just four? Yeah, just four. Just for it. Did you, were you able to get into the studio during the pandemic? No, I finished my, my album a year before. Okay. On 19th, the end of 19th. And unfortunately, my new album was released the day of the pandemic came out. So it was not a good timing. But luckily, the, the documentary is going to be released now. And I hope they re-release the album. Are you able to support the documentary in its next iteration which is going to be the 90 minute version yes which uh is the this we're we're looking at a 60 minute version for broadcast yes and that's kind of why we're talking so people know to get go but if you wait a couple of months to the fall they'll be able to see yeah. the are you yes. so you're going to go out there and and uh because i know they're going to show that. a trick go ahead i'm sorry i'm interrupting absolutely uh, and and promote that because the the year that the an hour and a half is really a very complete thing from my childhood in Brazil to the latest days. So, you know, I, I really hope and I, I think that's going to be great to have the full documentary on it. And obviously you, you're, you're still very aware of music today, but is there, or, or do you seek out young musicians do you, or do you, new stuff and or are you too well, busy? You know, you know, so I, you wait for people to bring that to you? How, how does that work for you? It, it works. You know, there's a word that I use a lot in the documentary, which is called, which I love, which is serendipity. Is yeah, that, I know that. Yes. You know, I mean, we don't have that word in Portuguese or Spanish or French. And I love that kind of a magical encounter in your lives. And my life has been a lot of those encounters, you know. So I'm open. And, you know, I don't have a list of, people that I would like to work with it, but, you know, I don't have anybody in mind right now, but, uh, uh, you know, if things will happen and I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm maybe I'll, I'll write a new song and meet yeah. somebody, you know, something like that. Which sometimes turns into a collaboration of sorts. Yeah. Is that what you're, yeah. that what you're saying? Yes. Cause I'm wondering after, I don't know how many years you've been 60 Six plus years in the business, yes. which yes. is remarkable, by Thank the you. way. It's a milestone. And to still be vital and to be excited 
you're an inspiration in that regard, I have to tell you. But I'm, I'm also wondering where the inspiration comes from. You say serendipity because life takes you in directions you can never anticipate. That's right. Yes. But, but I think with getting out of the house now and traveling and meeting people again, I think things will naturally happen. I mean, when, I, when you're, you know, isolated at home for a year and a half and, uh, you know, and the whole world is kind of, you know, afraid and, and vaccine and this and that. So I think that kind of closed people's uh, mind and everything, you know. So I think people are going out now. People are venture, venturing again and traveling. And, uh, and I think that's the energy that I need. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> and absolutely. I'm not touring. And I'm not touring. I'm not playing at the Hollywood Bowl <laughs> this year. Yes. But, you know, there's always a future, you know, I, 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 it's funny because uh, you were talking about, you know, you're, you seem to be a very, uh, at least open, if not positive minded person. This last year or so has been very challenging for even challenging, even for the most positive of us. It's broken a lot of people's spirits or put a something of a dent in it. And, uh, but for me, rediscovering music, I was been playing every day, every day since it started. And I feel it all new after playing. I started playing when I was 12 and, but now at 57, (laughs) <laughs> I fell in love with playing music again because oh, of the that's pandemic. Wonderful. That's of wonderful. It. Yes, that's right. And anyway. I need to go out. I need a band. You know what I mean? I'm right here. I'm not doing anything. Oh, I'm free. Sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. I I, I think I, I could probably play in the background uh, and, and uh, not botch it up too badly. Well, the name of the documentary again is Sergio Mendez and Friends, a celebration. It's going to be on PBS, which is a great, place for this documentary as of june 1st next tuesday check local listings because it's going to be different stations in different parts of the country are going to premiere it different days but i hope i really do hope that you know for a lot of people it's going to be seeing an old friend you and then for maybe some people like i'll force my son to watch and he'll Uh like it how old is he he's 17 Uh, oh okay yeah i have a my youngest is a 28. Wow. Yeah, but I have older than that, too. I, you know? Yeah. And I have a granddaughter, five months, which I'm in love with it. Born during this period. So that, that yes. had to make this, that, well, that had to make it much more bearable for you because you have this yes. beautiful brand new baby in your life. Yes, yes. Fantastic. Great. Congratulations yeah. to the mom and Thank dad. Thank you. And to Thank grandpa. You. What is he going to call you? What's, what would be the name in you In Portuguese, is vovô. Vovô? Vovô for Vovô. men and vovó for women. For subtle, wife. subtle difference. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Listen, I could I could talk to you all day, all night. Um, anytime, anytime. Pleasure, thank, man. Thank you. You're such a sweet guy. I mean, so I'll catch you in New York City for sure. I'll come down and. Oh, I can't love! Wait. I can't wait to go to New York. Please. They love Tell you them. there. I know, and I'm, I love there too. You know, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Thank you Take so much. Care. Thank you my so pleasure, much. My pleasure. My pleasure. Take care. You too. Bye bye.
have uh, Michael Koreski uh, to talk about his book, Films of Endearment, which I think is a lovely idea for a book. Um, Michael Koreski's most formative memories were simple ones, a movie rental, a mug of tea, and a few shared hours with his mother. Years later, and now a successful film critic, Koreski set out on a journey with his mother to discover more about their shared cinematic past. They rewatched 10 films that she first introduced to him as a child, one from every year of the 80s, each featuring women leads. Together, films as divergent as 9 to 5, Terms of Endearment, The Color Purple, and Aliens form the story of an era that Koreski argues should rightly be called the Decade of the Actress. Here now is my conversation with film critic author Michael Koreski here on Film Wax Radio. Mother, do you think they'll drop the bomb? Mother, do you think they'll like this song? Try to break my balls As we're recording this, it's Friday before Mother's Day, right? The timing of this is coincidentally quite good. <laughs> yeah, it's a real coincidence, I'm sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, you 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 uh, timed it. Uh, no, it was, uh, obviously you decided this was going to be released, right? It's now out. It's available now. Came out on Tuesday, Tuesday, May 4th. Perfect. Be with you, moms. Right, exactly. What a great idea for a book and, and uh, very uh, original. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's, I like the structure of it. You uh, essentially, you and your mom shared common uh, love for a particular genre, movies from the 80s, right? With usually a strong, let's say, female message. I'm not going to say feminist necessarily. Maybe that's sort of an accidental or incidental part of the film because of the time it came out or some of the underlying themes, but it's, they're just show women, strong women often. And you and your mom bonded over those movies, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say there are some explicitly feminist films or at least films that, um, you know, that hint at uh, explicitly feminist themes. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of the book and and the the films that we bonded over were films that had strong female characters. And so when I came to realize this, I realized, well, first of all, this is what actually initiated my love of films in the first place, because I made a lot of films. That's key. I left that out. That is key. That's all I do. Um, But also that the, my coming of age in the eighties, uh, I discovered was her favorite era of filmmaking. And she thought that, and she told me that not long ago before I started writing the book, um, which 
instigated the book itself. And I was rather surprised because that's when I grew up. You know, wouldn't your favorite ever be the 40s or 50s or the 60s even? There are so many great eras and frankly, better eras of filmmaking than the terrible 80s, which is at least how a lot of us think of the 80s. We think of the 80s as blockbuster driven, as super masculine, as, you know, uh, the, the, the Ghostbusters era. It was, it was when the Star Wars and Jaws thing kind of went over the top. And we think of the 80s as being Sylvester Sloan and Schwarzenegger and Rambo. But when I actually started to go back and look at the films that meant something to me and that I watched over and over again, I realized these movies all had really strong central female characters. And these were stars. These were major stars who were being given major roles in studio films. And that's right. something that we lost. Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda is the Sally Fields, the Jessica Langs, uh, et cetera. Et al. Whoopi Goldberg, Sissy Spacek, Michelle Pfeiffer, Sigourney Weaver, the list just goes on and on and on. And you you don't see that right now. You see, I mean, you don't really see a lot of movie stars in general. You see a lot of, you see a lot of kids. That's when I sound like an old man. Even that obscure actress that many people don't know named Meryl Streep. Who's also Streep, who's who's like miraculously not in the book, which was not by design, but I, but you know, in retrospect, I'm sort of happy about It'll be in the sequel. Yes, this is all I'm going to write about forever. <laughs> More films of endearment or daughters of films of endearment. <laughs> I can dig that, but I, I also think, you know, it's, there, you know, there's been a lot, I mean, maybe I do, a, you know, extensive reading on the subject of film and, you know, I, I, I feel like there is, there is a lot of revisiting uh, of the 80s films and there's a huge number of films that have came out in the 80s that are, you know, among the best ever. So there's always a tremendous number. But it was, I think, also in terms of popular mainstream film. Yes, I would say that probably true, that Blockbuster kind of got all the attention as well as the money so yeah i mean there are yeah sure there are i would say that there's some great auteur cinema in the 80s my, a lot of my favorite scorsese films and spielberg films are are uh, in the 80s yeah but in terms of um you know a really strong aesthetic boldness i think most people feel like the 80s are at least in film scholar circles probably one of the worst film decades I don't believe that, but I don't believe that because of this strain and this thread that I saw and that I find actually pretty interesting and pretty progressive. And I would say that, you know, I could see why this could be, I mean, I, I want to keep, keep, keep on the subject or come back to the subject of your mom, your relationship with your mother, this journey you took together in create, writing the book. But I do want to say one more thing about what, what you just mentioned, which is you, you particular, Michael, are, as you, you are a film critic, and you are have an allegiance to the art film, yes, the festival or the art house film. So, so which is not it, there seems to be some sort of at least to on the surface a clash of style of between these two genres we're talking about. You're yeah. covering a lot of the, the art house films in your criticism, I assume, right? Yes. So uh, most of my writing over the years has been for um, Film Comment, where I also worked, and Reverse Shot, which is the magazine that I co-founded, which is run by Museum of the Moving Image now, and also Criterion Collection, where I worked for 10 years. So I'm very much focused, or my career so far has been very much focused on uh, the way, however you want to describe it, a very particular kind of art house film, foreign film, ha- festival film. What, uh, there are so many different ways of describing what yes, that is. Yes, the international know. film. Much, 
much too broad an umbrella to take that seriously. But yes, yeah, so if somebody said, you know, who are your favorite directors? My favorite directors are, you know, Terrence Davies and Apicha Pong, we are Seth the Cool and Claire Denis and Simon Liang. Um, so it wouldn't have occurred to me necessarily to write a book about right. these mainstream films, about these mainstream American stars of the 80s, an era that I never took particularly seriously until I wrote this. So yes, that's By true. Way, it was a challenge in that way. <laughs> just so uh, we... Just for the record, Terrence Davies and Claire Denis have both done this podcast. So, uh, That's extremely exciting. Now Michael Koreski. But, uh, wrote but, a book about Terrence. My, my previous book was all about Terrence Davies. So, oh, uh, I got to pick that one up. Yeah, the only book, the only book written by in the U.S. about Terrence Davies. My favorite, absolute favorite. You've cornered the market <laughs> on something. I don't know what. <laughs> well, let me ask you then, um, just to kind of conclude that part of the conversation. Now that people know your your bona fides, your bona fides, and that is, what are your colleagues as as they discover your book? Uh, are are they? What are you doing, Michael? You're you're <laughs> writing about these uh, nine to five, and uh, and you're writing about oh, what's another one? I mean, some of them are are very obviously uh, almost timeless. Uh, some of them, and quality aside, some of them you know scream 1980s, but some of them actually. There was a, a subgenre of films that came out, you know, Norma Ray, like all these f- films. Uh, Country was another one you you uh, focus on. They, they could come out almost any time, any decade. Um, but there's some that definitely are. What what do your colleagues kind of make of of the book? Well, everybody's very nice. You know, <laughs> nobody's come up to me and said, you know, this is garbage. I'm shocked that you would even think about writing something as, as such, an, such an aberration. Um, so, you know, everyone's been, everyone's been great. I, th- I think probably on some level, in some level that they're not articulating, they're sort of like, oh, well, why is he, why is he wasting his time? Writing but then they read the book and they see that this is really actually not so much. It's more, it's about more than just these movies. It's more than just about aliens, which is another one of the movies in the, uh, that you, you and your mom share. It's about your yeah. relationship with your mother. It's about you emerging, uh, in your, something I touch upon the, often when I was growing up, I had a somewhat different relationship with film and my parents. They were both um, actually funny enough into art films very early on. So they were huge fans of like Fellini and Kurosawa and uh, Bergman. All these guys were playing at my, you know, and talked about at my, my home. And so I kind of was watching along with, with them on some of these films. They definitely informed me, but as I grew up maybe a decade before you my films were like Spike and Jim Jarmusch and, you know, Susan Seidelman and mm-hmm. Allison. These guys were the, were cropping up and those had a great, because those are the films that I discovered in my time, my own time, you know? Yeah. Well, my era was really the 90s, you know, like this is because I was born in 1979 and this book goes from 80 to 89. So I wasn't actually one, one, one year old when I saw nine to five, right? But I saw it on VHS. I saw all these movies in VHS because my mother brought them home and introduced me to them. Right. And I watched them in retrospect. Some of you I saw in real time, right? Mm-hmm. So it was going back and revisiting the decade and seeing the pattern of a decade and understanding my mother better through these films. My, my era is really the 90s. Like if I, if I wrote a, a, a book that was more about me and less about my mother, um, I would focus on the 90s. That that was when I came of age in every 
real sure. way, right? That's that's right. that's when I was in high school. That's also when I went to college. That's when the American independent cinema boom was happening. It's when I wrote my first movie review. It's when it's it's you know it's when I studied film in college. It's everything to me. The '90s. So it was actually fun to to redirect the spotlight to the '80s. And in doing so, I I mean I'm interested in these films, and I'm and in in writing the book, I've I've had a greater appreciation for them. But the idea of the book um, is more like how is taste actually made? Where does taste actually come from? And how much my mother actually gave me that I haven't really acknowledged before. And if I can find out more about her and her life through these films and have conversations with her that are instigated by these films, and maybe I can have a better understanding of where, what all those indefinable things are. So it's, 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 it's an idea about movies rather than just about these movies themselves. It's an idea right. about what movies can give us and what we can share through movies. Sure. Right. It's a cat. They're, they're, they're a, a, a vehicle for you and your mother to, or to explore your relationships with your mother. Um, exactly. A vehicle, a conduit. Yes. Right. A, a con- conversation starters. Like I wouldn't be able to sit down with my mom and ask her some of the things that she's, that she divulges in, in this book without movies. The movies have to start the conversation. I, I wouldn't, I'm just, it's not part of my nature. It embarrasses me. So this is this is a way of getting around the humiliation and embarrassment of having an actual emotional conversation. So so you decided. So tell me how the birth of the book came. Then uh, did you you thought the because it's all based on the structure of the book, right? Which is each chapter is a different movie that you and your mom revisited that were from those '80s films that you watched together back growing up as a kid. Exactly. Um, and so was the idea, did you go, how, when did you go to your mom about this? Uh, right at the beginning when you got the, the seed in your you know, head? How did that work? No, it made me a little nervous, actually, because again, it's such an, a forthrightly emotional and potentially overly sentimental thing to do. And it just kind of, um, you know, sometimes I recoil from that. So why, you know, why is that just because the way you were brought up? You're Jewish. I mean, this should be second <laughs> Yeah, but that's also part of that's also part yes, of, it is. Yes. That's part yes. of why I recoil from it because there would there my mom my mother is outwardly emotional, and I think a lot of people who grew up with that tend to recoil from it. Like, look, look, I've read Portnoy's Complaint. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that, and I and it's it's. Um, I mean, that's an extreme example, but I mean, you know, I think Jewish kids have that. Um, we have our own like emotional inner lives, but we don't want those inner lives to necessarily parallel with our parents' emotional inner lives. So we maintain that distance. Mm-hmm. And I think I've always scrupulously maintained that distance. And I think part of that also comes from being gay and um, hiding yourself for so long, right? It's just like, you know, oh, it, it's perfect. I'll just stay over here in the shadows. Then no mm-hmm. one has to ask me questions. And I think that 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 tips over into adulthood when you have that as a young person, it, it becomes part of your defi- defining identity. So isn't it just so much easier not to ask questions and not to show emotion and not to show your true self. Um, so yeah, I as, long as, that, as long as that works <laughs> until it doesn't work. Right. It works until you can't take so, it. You're yeah. Screaming, you're screaming from the inside. You know, I came out when I was 24, which at the time felt really old to me. I was like, I can't believe this is happening now. Not that I, um, would have been ready at any time before that but you know looking back now it feels oh that was so young it was my my 20s it's when I discovered who I am people come out in their 30s people come out in their 40s but at the time I thought oh my god what's wrong with me there's something wrong with me I must hate myself I realized now that you know no matter when you come out it's a brave thing to do exactly Um, but um, I don't know if that answered your question (laughs) 
yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and um, I, I, there's a very moving moment um, that you had with your mother. Forgive me if it wasn't both your parents, but when you decided to come out and how that ended up playing out, which was kind of funny too. But um, I, I enjoyed the that anecdote. Well, my mother is a wonderful person who made it easier for me, right? It happened over the phone, and um, yeah, she basically said it before I did. So okay, so you, we're we're gonna let it we're gonna we're gonna reveal that. So, but then and then of course your following uh, thought, of course, naturally is well, if you knew, why didn't you let me off the hook? Ages, why, why why couldn't I've been walking around with this uh, burden, I guess, or at least anxiety, you know? Yeah, it's an anxiety that I didn't know I, that I even had, and 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 right. and and, it, and that you know it, it manifests in so many different ways when you're a young person trying to figure yourself out. And yeah, that's something that I write about a little in that particular chapter. There's one particular chapter and the, the movie has come back to the five and dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean, which is the Altman film, which is sure. a great movie, which I had seen at a very young age because my mother rented it and brought it home, probably not knowing exactly what it was. Um, and it's a fascinating movie because Karen Black plays a transgender woman in the film. And it's a actually really interesting progressive movie and it, it stays that way. It remains fascinating and, and, and really wonderful. And I, I kind of use that as a, as an excuse to talk about these issues in the book. So like that chapter is about, um, you know, my own coming to terms with that and my relationship with my mother through that. But that's really the only chapter that shines a spotlight on me a little bit more. The, the, every other chapter has a theme. Uh, the movie brings out a theme that ties into something about my mother's life that I'm looking at analyzing, inquiring about, learning more about. And we're remind people it's called Films of Endearment. Nice twist on terms. I actually, uh, my girlfriend was over last night. Uh, we, we, she, she wanted, I have a lot of criterion. I don't know if that comes as a shock to you. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I do too. I've been in that closet, by the way. And I'm talking about the criterion closet, ironically, not the other kind, but, but, and, uh, being there she wants to watch being there so we and and, and it's funny you know how i'm sure even you know when you rewatch films you notice you know a good uh you know especially meaningful films uh that that um you you pick no matter how many times you watch it you tend to see something new or get something new out of it so and this time was the first time i ever noticed Oh, Hal Ashby's standing right there in the movies. In a, he's in a frame, a couple of frames of the movie. Oh, is, I didn't realize. That. I haven't seen it in a while. I love, I do love. It. I know. Well, I, I get. I, this has got to be. I, well, first of all, dude, I was, I was very young, but I saw it as like a premiere. I was at the premiere, New York premiere, with my because my dad would take me in to all these premieres because he was in magazine publishing. And I was at being there, <laughs> the premiere. Oh. So you, so you have a lot of you have parent stories. You have a lot of movie parent stories as well. I guess so. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, my dad also was a huge like he loved the. I mean, the Jack, Jack Nicholson, you know, movies. So we just had a lot. You know, he was a big. Also, VHS tapes were very big in my house as well. Growing up, even ago, I think it was a good generation or more before you. It's so important, these stories about what our parents gave us, and uh, you know, obviously in every way, but I'm, you know, talking about cinema specifically. And I think about it and I get really sad for, for now, you know, for, the, for, for what's going on now. And I, and I think like, what on earth are parents giving to their kids in terms of culture and in terms of art and in terms of film? I mean, they're just all yeah. sitting around watching the latest Star Wars garbage. Like, I, I hate to be that kind of a pessimistic right. person. No, I know what you mean, but, but I will say this. Um... Right? 
oh it, well by the way they're not even watching that they're just watching they're watching youtube and tiktok so it's it's even worse however just to give you a little i have a kid who's turning 17 in a few days oh my son is turning 17 and i was shocked last time he goes hey do you know blade runner <laughs> <laughs> like i think i've heard of it <laughs> yeah i said I've heard of jacob it. Yeah, I said uh, he, he's watching it, and uh, I'm like, "Wow, great!" Um, you know, it's such a great. It's because he's he's just heard so much about it. He finally decided he's going to check it out. So he's, you know, he's goes, "Yeah, I think I'm going to watch some more movies than I, you know, and more more try to watch more movies." So, but we've had movie nights also, and you know, where I introduce him to stuff. He, but and then right. I, well, I was able to tell him and this is true, and I can share this with you because you'll appreciate it. Is that I'm 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 ha- I'm kind of doing some stuff with these. I'm up in the Hudson Valley right now. I was in the city until last year, but I I decided to come up here for a while, and I'm working with these guys at these art houses up here called Upstate Films. I don't know if you, yeah, you're from New England, so maybe you, and um. We're doing an outdoor series this summer, right. a, like a rooftop, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so my, one of the things I was able to do is I'm, I'm talking to Hampton Fancher, who of course wrote Blade Runner. And he's, I was on the phone with him the other day. He's agreed. We're still working out the details, but he's like agreed to come up here and do a night showing Blade Runner. So I was able to tell my kid this in response. That can be, it's kind of, can once in a rare while be kind of cool once in a while. But just saying that makes me uncool. So um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel so like... This I, may I, move on to another generation and maybe my son will write his version of your book. Any parent's dream right there. That, that's, all, that's all you could ever want. <laughs> exactly. Uh, how does it feel? And how does your mom feel about the book? Uh, I, I'm going to guess she was extremely pleased and proud of you. And, you know, she getting all copies for all of the family and friends. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's she's delighted. She's she's moved. She's happy. She's impressed. All that stuff. But you know, uh, then then again, you know that I recoil from the, from that kind of stuff. So right. I'm actually going to see her this weekend for Mother's Day, and it's the first time that I'll be seeing her since last fall. Yeah, and if, you know, if you read the book, you can see the last. That's the last time I saw her. So um, right. you know, we've been staying away because of because of because of COVID. So we're all vaxxed, and I'm going to see her, and it's it's going to be lovely. I hope. I reached out. I, I'm sure it will be. Uh, and uh, I reached out to you when I was about two thirds to three quarters through the book, I think, because it was shortly after I, I invited, you know, I was inviting your mom to join us. And I know how technophobic yeah. that's a word I made up. But, but, uh, and so we decided not to pursue that. But then I got to like the next page and <laughs> describing trying to get her on Zoom and how unsuccessful that was. So I'm like, if I had just read a few more pages, I probably wouldn't have asked you about that. So. I mean, ideally, it would be really great to to set up an interview the old fashioned way that, that would involve her. But she's she's very right. against doing anything on the computer. Right. She 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 gets very frustrated easily, and then gets angry at the computer, and then she'll call me ten times and ask how to fix it, and I'll get frustrated. It's really the the one thing that drives a wedge between us. Actually, <laughs> technology. Technology. Well, wouldn't it be great though? If she zoom bombed us. Though that would have been. Yes. Maybe my brother could help her do that. I don't know. Yeah. It's Films of Endearment. It's released by Hanover Square Press, which is in the UK. Is that or Canada? Canada. It's a Toronto company, isn't it? No, it's New York. It's HarperCollins. Oh, I'm sorry. 
let's rephrase. I, I saw something is about Toronto and Italy. It's because they bought so so Harper Collins. You know how like every company bought every other company. Sure, Harper Collins bought Harlequin, okay. and Harlequin's based out of Toronto, but. Hanover Square, which is also part of Harlequin, though it's in the HarperCollins building, is still in New York. It's all run in New York. It's confusing. It's a lot of imprint within an imprint within an yeah. imprint. Yeah, the publishing world. Um, and I recommend it. There's still time to go out and get a, to get a copy of this in time for uh, Mother's Day or, uh, or probably for next year. <laughs> <laughs> it works any time of the year. Oh, very true. Very true. And it for it's just also for any movie fans. There's we'll just mention a few more of the movies that you guys watched together and uh which were catalysts for your conversations and getting closer. In terms of endearment, of course. And I brought up being there, not just because of how Ashby, but because Shirley uh McLean, um mm-hmm. just she's just so amazing in that movie. The color purple. Yeah, I mean I, it, the color purple was um was a tricky one to write about it. It's probably the one that I've seen the most out of any of the movies in the book. I watched it a lot growing up. It was, it was like, I have it nearly memorized. It's one of my favorite speakers. Wow. Um, and can you sing silly you know, blues, Silly's blues for me. I can, but I'm not going to. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> Sister, you've been on my mind. That's all I'll say. All right. Good. Um, no, I think it's an extraordinary movie. I'm actually going to, we're going to be showing it on 35 millimeter at the Paris, uh, David Schwartz. Yeah, he was just on. You know, um, got in touch with me, wants to show it. And that's very exciting because it doesn't show in the big, well, nothing shows in the big screen very much. But um, that's a particularly exciting one because I think people are coming around again on that one. It, it was, right. even though it was really acclaimed and it was actually a huge hit when it came out, um, for some reason it's fallen in estimation in the Spielberg canon, but I, oh. I think it's one of his best movies. And I agree. Um, I agree. Truly main beautiful film. So it was actually, yeah, and it's the first time you really stretched. That yeah, well, I mean, One yeah, argue. yes, that's. I mean, I, 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 that's. It's kind of the received narrative about that, but it also is true, right? It depends on what you consider stretching. It's a certain kind of stretching. Commercially, yeah. Um, but you know, Spielberg is extremely important to me. I, 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 I I'm, I'm of that generation, right? I mean, if, if there, if me there is a book about the '80s that I would, that I would be interested in writing, that's specifically about a director, it would probably be Spielberg. There's been a million books written about him, so the idea would be to try to find a new angle. Um, but I mean, his, his movies had that sort of um, holy feel to them, right? Like it was, he was doing something with cinema that was so directly tied into how you know, a human being feels and sees the world that um, I, I mean, I couldn't get enough one. I, I would watch them over and over and over again, um, almost like they're part of me. And that, that lasted all the way through to college probably. And some after as well. So it was fun to, to, to look at that particular film because it is, as many people have said, it's his only one of his only films with a female, with a female protagonist and, right. and, it's, and, and a very, very, very strong one and a very strong cast of women. Um, and yes, people always said, is he the right person to make this? And, you know, those debates are totally valid. But the movie itself proves that he made something very special out of it, whether, whether or not it's the exact movie you would, one would have made from Alice Walker's book. He made something very special. And I, I loved going back and looking at it again. And he, okay, well, I mean, we can go on, but I think that's a great place to, uh, to end it. So uh, unless, I, <laughs> unless, I miss, unless I miss something, it's just... 
Well, I didn't, you know, I, 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 the term you brought up terms of endearment, that's, that's, that's the most difficult chapter. Cause it, it, it's, it's the one where, um, well, first of all, I'm, I wouldn't, my mom wouldn't have wanted to revisit that movie because she found it too painful when it came out and it, it brought up all sorts of questions around my f- father's death. And we didn't, we didn't really talk mm. too much about that mm-hmm. uh, in our house. So that was, um, in a way it's sort of the emotional crux of the book and it comes about, comes about partway through. So it's, um, it, it reaches its, its crescendo probably at that point. Um, but that was a tough one. And, and that's interesting because, you know, it's a very mainstream film. It's a best picture winner. It's one of the right. only best picture winners that's about women. It's about a mother and a daughter relationship. Um, but it's, it's, it's a lot of really, really tough emotion. And as mainstream and goofy as part of it is, as sitcom as, as James L. Brooks's film sometimes is, um, it gets at some raw stuff. And it lodges in the brain as, 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 a, as a tough one. And I don't think that my mother and I would have talked about some of the things we talked about, if not for that movie. So that's another reason why I think the title of the book works so well, because it-, it, it, it Absolutely, it's a perfect title. Films of Endearment, A Mother, A Son, and the 80s films that defined us. And there's a lovely shot of you and your mom right on the cover there. That's the one. I, I can't believe I found that. There aren't many. There, you would think that this is just one of many photos. There are like three photos ever taken of us from that era. We, I, we went searching through old photo albums. Well, and how do people uh, say, are you, uh, how people kind of connect with you, I guess, maybe, maybe that you're a good person to ask about that. You probably have a way of doing that. Are you on Twitter or? Yes, uh, but I am I am reverse shot on Twitter. That is my handle. So it's run out of um, oh, which okay. is our publication, front of Museum of the Moving Image, and um, it's so it's it's me, but it's also the publication. So it's it, it, people know that. <laughs> and when is Color Purple at uh, the Paris? By the way, it's going to be end end of May, and I'm I will I will look up the date and and send it to you. And we're also doing. I have a web. I have the access to the internet too, but I'm okay. But David was just on, you know, the other day. I, I listened. Oh, you did. Okay, because of uh, his Cronenberg interviews. So it, I love the connective thread part of we're doing. We're doing this. some other some other events. We could also link to uh, Museum of the Moving Image, where I also uh, currently work. Um, we are doing um, a double feature we'll with Eric. Five with Eric, Eric, one of my best friends. We're doing a double feature of 9 to 5 in the fabulous Baker Boys. And right. Yeah, another book. Um, and that's going to be May 22nd. And so anyone who's excited about going back to the movies, that's a good, that's a good excuse to go. It's actually a really beautiful movie, Fabulous Baker Boys, shot by Michael Bauhaus. Another one and, I haven't seen in quite a while. I have to read right? that one. Yeah, I remember seeing... Uh, most of these movies, I you know, I was a young adult. I saw them as they came out. They were almost without exception, almost every single movie in your book. I saw when they came out i just go to the movies all the time that's amazing yeah no yeah. That, and and they're movies that you probably thought of and then many people thought of as you know entertainment more than anything be taken seriously and so maybe it's time to look back at these films and take them a little more seriously good idea good suggestion i'm so glad for the opportunity to get to meet you finally even though we travel over i'm sure and yeah this has been great i'm 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 really happy that you reached out me too me too and I, I hope you have a great Mother's Day with your mom. I'll post, I'm going to post this today. I'm going to turn it around. This is oh. something, I mean, but I got to get it out before Mother's Day. Oh, wow. Well, snip out all my stupid parts. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. That's pretty much what my show is about, is my stupid parts. So. <laughs> 
Well, thank you very much for having me. This was really great. Oh, my pleasure. And um, yes, you're welcome. Thank you for coming on there. Now I can, I can also, I'm, now I'm reading because I'm going to get on, um, do you know Noah Eisenberg? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So he's got a, a great new, I mean, it's a great idea for, you know, for geeks like you and me, because it's on uh, Billy Wilder's, you know, pre-American, before he was an immigrant. Yeah, that's, that's an <laughs> And about his time as like a, is, you know, he was wanting to be like a pop culture writer <laughs> before there was such a, a term, but he was, so he's writing journalism and, you know, in, in uh, Vienna and I think probably in Paris and then figure, you know, fortunately for him, got the fuck out of there <laughs> just in time. No, no, I, I know it was great. And, and, you know, anything about Billy Wilder, I'm fascinated. I know, me too, me too. I was lucky to bring on uh, several years ago, Ed Sikov. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I haven't read it. He's, he's, yeah, and I, I ran into him a couple of times, but he's, he's even when I was at his apartment, he has, uh, you know, he's, he's got Parkinson's and he, I, I'm sure it's, it's somewhat more, I know he's in physical therapy for it, so he might be okay, I don't know, but, um, you know, it might be hard to, uh, but he's, he's, he wrote a great book on Billy Wilder. Mm, yeah, I, they would always sit in the, they, they have an incredible book collection at the Criterion office, as you can imagine, so oh, right. I'm not sitting there on the shelf, and I should have just grabbed it, but I should buy it for myself. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I'm sure you can get a nice, yeah, copy and it, it's it's it, it's a good it's a big read, you know. And then Ed at the end he gets to meet Billy Wilder, at, um, mm. right? You know, the like kind of late in life and his and his crazy wife. It's like quite an adventure. One thing that I have to do is really dig into late Billy Wilder. Uh, I know that you know it, it's it, it, they were they used to not be respected, and now there's like a resurgent respect for an interest in the late films. But I, I it's a gap for me. I, I have like I haven't seen the front page. I haven't. Seen, oh yeah. There's another one from the '70s. That I haven't seen. Well, I can just uh, the late 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 Billy Wilder. You don't need to worry about because I'm like, curious. I'm super. Well, sure. buddy, buddy, uh, you know, is, buddy, buddy, yeah, is, is going to disappoint. I mean, you know, is you try to find, there, it's just completely free of charm, utterly free of charm. <laughs> but there's, there's, I mean, it really is. It's just a, it's kind of just mean, but it doesn't have. I mean, you know, he he, he could be very wicked and edgy, right? But he he there's always a love or something in there too you know i mean um and and that just it's that completely lacks it mm. but um uh, trying to think of some of the other later ones anyway thanks <laughs> we'll, <laughs> Thank do, you. Thank you. we'll we'll figure out next i'm 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 not i gotta get down to the city soon but i i've been sort of uh i have to get i guess i have to contact hampton fancher i'm getting texts about nailing him down to a certain date yeah, that'll be they fun. want to make it they want to announce some of their slate for these outdoor screenings mm-hmm. and so that'll be fun they're doing they're doing blade runner the final cut at the queen's drive-in the museum's doing it soon oh oh very good yeah that's what we're going to show too and do you, you did you try to get hampton no i mean it would, i mean i don't know actually maybe eric is that's eric's Oh, area, yeah. so I don't know. maybe he did. Uh, I, I when I spoke to him, he didn't mention that one, but um, I was hoping uh, I got to call, I have to call him again because they're pushing me to get to get him to uh, commit to the a date in July. I know they had him before, like the museum had him 
probably 2019. It was, it was not long before. Okay. Before COVID, he he, he did an event there. Oh, okay. So maybe well, it's were... easy. You know, he lives in Brooklyn Heights. I think so. Oh, okay. Well, that explains that. Um, all right. Well, this was great. I should. I, I am packing up to go up to Massachusetts. So. Well, okay. Well, have a safe trip and um, enjoy your reunion. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having oh, me my on. My pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, I'll talk to you. Again. Talk soon. Okay, thanks for thanks for everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of the show. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and the ones you love.